Good morning. I am so glad that you are here today. Romans 10.4, remember, remember um, in the 70s, people had CBs? Did you have, you know, in the t- trucker lingo? Remember that? 10.4, good buddy. Remember that? Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, I think, and, and 10.4 meant, I, you know, I was kind of young. I asked for a CB for Christmas, like for four years in a row, never got one. Um, and, and, but you know, the lingo, 10-4 meant yes, meant I agree, meant let's proceed. You know, they talk over the CB, all right, 10-4, good buddy. It's kind of like in church, it's kind of like the amen corner, amen, 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 you know, praise the Lord, keep on preaching. We got a few ameners here. Bob, where are you? There you go, thank you, Bob, right on cue. And so, that's what, that's what 10-4 is, right? It's the, it's the amen, it's all right, it's, it, it's the conclusion, that's Romans 10.4 is exactly that. If you have it, page 44, at the bottom of the page, let me get there. This is what Paul says. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the fulfillment. Christ is the conclusion. The NIV says Christ is the, is the culmination of the law. It's all about Jesus. That's what he's saying here. It's, it's totally all about Jesus. Christ is the end. Christ is the, is the fulfillment. Christ is the culmination. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. That's how this works. It's all about Jesus. And then he's, he's going to go on in Romans 10 and give us those, those great verses. For if you confess with your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then in, in Romans uh, uh, 13, 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But I'm getting ahead of myself because I just want you to get it. It's all about Jesus. That's where he's leading. It's all about Jesus. Everything that we, he's the culmination. He's the fulfillment. He's the, he is the end. It's all about Jesus. And in verse five, verse five, he tells us how this works. So at the top of page 46, this is what he says. For Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But, 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 here we go. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus changes everything. That's what Paul is getting to. Jesus changes everything. See, this is how it worked. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, right? I think the Old Testament prayer could be summed up in Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64 reads this way. It's a prayer. It says, oh, that you would burst down from the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come. That was the Old Testament prayer. God, you've got to come. You've got to come, 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 come. You've got to come down and help us with these Egyptians. You've got to come, come, come and help us with the, we're in the wilderness. We need manna. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to help us with the Philistines. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to help us. You've got to help us with the Babylonians. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to burst from the heavens and come down. And sometimes, I'm, I'm guilty of praying those Old Testament prayers. 
God, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta help, you gotta help Joe. God, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come down, you gotta come down and help Susie. God, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come and help, help Central Church. And I wonder, I don't know if Jesus is a head scratcher. Sometimes I scratch heads in my sermons. Maybe Jesus is a head scratcher. And when he hears us praying those type of prayers, I think he goes, um, huh? Well, um, hmm. Hey, do, you, do you ever hear about this thing? It's called Christmas, and this little place called Bethlehem, and you know, I came, and did, did you ever hear stories about how I walked around on earth and did miracles and helped people and preached some great sermons? Did you ever? Does, does this ring a bell? There's this cross, and, and I was on it, and I died for your sin. Does that, and, then, and then they put me in a tomb, and, and on, the, on the third day, on the third day, I came out, I was alive! <laughs> and, and, and you know, does any of that ring up? I, I came. See, this is the whole point of the gospel. If you don't get this, you don't get it. Jesus came, Jesus is with us. Jesus is here, right now, in this room. Jesus, we don't have to pray, God, you gotta come, you gotta burst forth from that. No, 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 Jesus is here, right here in this room. That's what we're proclaiming. What that means is, you see, if we take this really serious, let's take this really serious. That means as we are here, the King of Kings is also here. And we don't have to say, God, you gotta come. I've gotta inform you about some situation. It's saying, Jesus, my friend, you're in this room. And this is what's going on. And I need your working. And guess what? If we listen, that means if we, you know, we're not working on a grocery list, we're not texting our friend, where do you wanna go to church, after church for lunch? We're, we're actually zoned in and we're saying, Lord, you're, here's your servant, you gotta speak. You gotta work. It reminds me of the story. Do you remember the Old Testament story with the prophet Elisha? Prophet Elisha was kind of like, I don't know, he was doing his best James Bond because he was getting the battle secrets from the, what the Aramites, Syrians, if you will, what the Aramites were going to do and he was passing those battle secrets on to, to the Israelite king. He was getting them not from some other super spy on the other side, he was getting them from God Almighty. And so he was informing the king what the Aramites were doing and which made the Aramites, you know, not too happy that their battle plans were being shared. And so the Aramite king decided he was gonna kill Elisha. And they, Elisha was living in this place called Dotham. And so the Aramite troops surrounded the entire city of Dotham, there was no way out. And, and Elisha's assistant, I don't know what his name was, let's call him Percy, and Percy sees all of these troops around the city, and he's freaking out, and he's saying, Elisha, ah, there's, uh, the Aramites, the Syrians, they're all around, and we are in trouble, we are in big, big trouble. And in and, and, and 2 Kings chapter six, it tells us Elisha's prayer. And, and this is what he prayed, the Bible says this, and Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, open Percy's eyes, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened Percy's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant is praying, oh, Lord, you gotta come down, birds from the heavens, come down, come down, come down. And Elisha's praying, Lord, open his eyes. See that you're already here. That's Paul's prayer for us. 
That's exactly what's happening in Romans chapter 10. He's saying, 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 you gotta open your, you don't have to pray, you know, Jesus come down from, come down from heaven. <laughs> that denies the incarnation. He's not praying, Jesus, you gotta come up, come up, come up from the abyss. That denies the resurrection. He's saying, Jesus is here. That changes everything. And so then our response, our response to Jesus being here can only lead to one place. When you know, when you know, when you know that Jesus is here, right here, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is here, right here. Then the response is verse nine, if you confess with your mouth. It's not just saying Jesus is Lord. You know that, right? It's not just, talk is cheap. My dad used to say that all the time, talk is cheap. It's not just saying, it's living, it's being, it's, it's accepting, it's, it's acting out, it's your behavior. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart. The ancients thought that the heart was the center of intelligence. They didn't know it was happening in the brain. They thought it was the ticker, not the bean. But so they say, believe in your heart, believe in your brain, believe with everything you've got. When you believe it, when you believe it deep in your bones, when you believe it, that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead, resurrection power. You will be saved. There's two big points that you gotta get out of that verse. Two big things that you gotta struggle with. The first is, is Jesus is Lord. What does it mean to be Lord? It means that he is king. It means that he is overall. It means that he is boss. It means that everything, everything, everything in this world is secondary to him. That means our pleasures, that means our money, that means our talents, that means our gifts, that means whatever this old world has to offer comes in second. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's that song we sing, right? It's saying Jesus is Lord. Paul in another place will remind us in Philippians, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, everybody, the good, the bad, the ugly, everybody is going to say, Jesus is Lord. My point is, and Paul's point here, uh, don't wait, don't wait till the end. Say it now. Don't beat the rush. Say it now. Live it now. Not just confessing it with your mouth, living it with your life. Jesus Christ, he's the Lord of my life. That's his point, that's one big point you gotta get out of that verse. The second big point is what does it mean? You shall be saved. If you've been around church, you've heard that lingo, that's church insider lingo, you will be saved. What does it mean? It means that we will be rescued from the guilt. We will be rescued from the shame. We will be pulled out of the pit. We will be, we will be, we will be redeemed. We will be his. We we will defeat that great, nemesis of death because of the resurrection power that he talks about in that verse. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, resurrection power. We believe that. We believe that with all our hearts. We, you, learned, you learned at the earliest days of your life, if you were in Sunday school, you learned this verse. I learned it in King James Version. You, you know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but what? Have everlasting life. Now we've got to tackle this real quick. Oh, we've got to tackle it real quick. This, I, I haven't even got to the main point of the sermon, okay? Let me just confess to you right now. It's 1121 and I haven't, this is all introduction. <laughs> I don't know, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. It's all introduction because I really, this isn't, this isn't what I want. But I have to tackle this one before we get very far. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross. He did not die for your sins. He did not lay in a tomb for three days. He was not, did not uh, enter, exit that tomb alive so that you might just have an endless life. He did not, not so that you would have immortality. That's not the point. I know too many people that are living a miserable life and they would say, man, I don't want this miserable life, this miserable life for all eternity, no thank you. That, uh, he's not saying you can have life, it's not, you know, Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, you know, you know, just throw the toaster in the, in the bathtub with you and yet I still live. That's not the promise. The promise is not an immortal life, a life of misery forever and ever and ever. I know too many people who are trying to escape this life. This life hasn't been working for them. That's why they've turned to drugs or they've turned to alcohol or they've turned to money or they've turned to things and they keep trying and trying and trying. This world isn't working for them. They need Jesus. That's the point Jesus doesn't promise immortality of of just a miserable life no he promises a victorious life remember back back last week it's Romans 8 it's I can be more than a conqueror the stuff of this life the garbage of this life the things that drag me down do not have to hold me I can have a victorious life forever and ever and ever that's the promise that's what he's saying Okay, now to the main point. (laughs) That's the best news of all. You understand that, right? What I've just been proclaiming to you is the greatest news of all time. That all who call on the name of Jesus, not some, not maybe, not could be, if you call on the name of Jesus, you believe it deep in your heart, you will be saved no matter where you've been. No matter what you've done, no matter how many bad things have, have happened, you will be saved. You can experience the victorious redemption of Jesus. That's the best news, the greatest news of all time. So now the main point. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, verse 13. How, how then will they call on him if they, if they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him to the whom they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they gonna preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. This is Mission Outreach Sunday. That's the favorite verse of missionaries. If you've ever been in a missionary service, I bet they've preached from Romans 10. You know, somebody's gotta go. If if somebody doesn't go, no one's gonna hear. They can't believe. Somebody's gotta preach it. They gotta go, and when they go, oh, they got beautiful feet. (sighs) We're looking for some folks with beautiful feet this morning. I I worked at Tom McCann. Does anyone remember Tom McCann? Tom McCann was a shoe store when I was a junior and senior in high school. I saw so many nasty, gnarly feet when I was working at Tom McCann. Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's some folks with some bad feet. It doesn't matter if you've got bunions, it doesn't matter if they're all gnarly. If you're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, you've got some beautiful feet. My friends Chad and Crystal, they're taking off for, for Kiev. They're leaving everything they know. They're taking their senior in high school, leaving their daughter in Nashville. Are you kidding me? 
And guess what? Here's the good news. We talked about it. I was supposed to hit this point earlier, but I didn't. So I'll hit it now. Guess what? When you get to Kiev, Jesus is already there. Jack and Kathy, you got some, be- I don't want to see them, but you got some beautiful feet. And you already know, you already know when you go to Panama, Jesus is already there. He's, been, he's, been, he's already there. He's already there. But when we go with our beautiful feet, we're looking for some people with some beautiful feet to share the good news of Jesus Christ, this news that has to be shared. That Jesus is there. Jesus is with us. We can count on him. Jesus is, he's not only in Kiev. He's not only in, in Panama. He's, he's here. He's in your workplace. Pastor, you haven't been seeing my workplace. You don't know the people I work with. Oh, the way they act, the way they talk. Arr. It may be breaking Jesus' heart, but he's there. And he needs somebody, somebody with your beautiful feet, even if they're nasty and gnarly, to share that good news. I'm not, I'm not here to guilt you into it. I'm here to say, listen, we've, we say we've got the best news. We believe we've got the best news. We've got we've to share that good, good news. Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. You remember that verse. How true that is. Now, most of us, we're not going to be called, Chad said it, we're probably not going to be called the Kiev. And we hope that you can go to Panama for a week, but you got 51 other weeks. Last week we were sitting, last Sunday night, we were sitting in, in camp meeting service. Pastor uh, uh, Shauna Gaines was preaching and she was preaching about Exodus chapter three when Moses heard from the, from the bush, go and you know, set my people free. And then she was talking about some missionary friends of hers in Papua New Guinea. And I leaned over to Carla and I said, Carla, I think God is calling us to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> and this is, you know, Carla's been married to me for 33 years. She knows we're not going to Papua New Guinea. And she looked at me and she goes, we're not going to Papua New Guinea. God didn't call, talk to me in the bush. Now, shh. It's <laughs> exactly what you said. You're not supposed to talk in church. I get it, I get it, I get it. God may not call you to Papua New Guinea. You know where he may call you to? Grand Blank, Davison, Flint, Burton, Fenton, Clio, Owasso, we're all Swartz Creek, I'm trying to think Flushing, I'm trying to think where all our folks live, I'm sure there's more. He needs people like you. He needs people like you to share this good news. How are you going to do it? Pastor, that's your job, you're the one that's supposed to be the preacher. Okay, let me tell you, let me, do we, we're not going anywhere, I got another minute. I love my job. I love telling people about Jesus. I'd rather do that than anything else in the whole world. Yesterday, and I asked permission if I can share a little bit of this story. Yesterday, in this very room, in this room right here, yesterday, 25 hours ago, there was um, a funeral that I officiated for a four-year-old boy who drowned. The family has uh, just a couple of relatives, one who attends here, uh, that had any kind of faith background. 
totally unchurched. And, and so that relative said, Pastor, would you, would you do this funeral? And I said, absolutely. And I met with the grieving mom and dad and, and the one aunt and the great aunt. We talked about the service. And I didn't know why. These were, these were biker dudes, okay? This church was full of bikers. There was Beth Phillips, count them. There was 48 bikes and then a bunch of cars and trucks that were here for this little boy's funeral. And there's a million stories that I can tell you. And, and it was... It was an interesting funeral, to say the least. Because they didn't know. You know, there's no faith background. There's nothing. There's no faith background. And and the relative from here, because, you know, they came in their motorcycles, and they were running. It was loud. You know, they came in. I mean, you could hear it at my house at Grand Blake. You know, they revved those engines. And the relative from here, she said over and over again, Pastor, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I said, quit it, quit saying you're sorry. I'm glad, I'm glad they're here. I'm glad they're here, I'm glad they're here. I'm glad I get to, and I told her this and I meant it with all my heart. I said, I'd rather be preaching to this crowd than to the crowd tomorrow. Forgive me for saying that, but I would rather preach to those folks than to you folks in a heartbeat. Because they didn't know Jesus. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happened, and maybe one day I'll share it with you, but it was crazy. And we got out to the cemetery, which was in Lapeer, and it's a long way for the bikers to go, and there was a couple of accidents on the way, and it was just craziness, totally craziness. The mom and dad were involved in one of the accidents, the, mom, the grieving parents. So we waited, we were just waiting at the cemetery. So it was me and, you know, 125, 150 bikers. <laughs> And so you can imagine what's going on there. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And, you know, they're, they're not acting like Christians because guess what? They're not. And so we're just hanging out at the cemetery. And I don't know, should I tell this part? Can I tell this part? These ears heard more F-bombs in that hour and 25 minutes than I have ever heard in my entire life. And that is no joke. And so I... I'm wait, we're waiting, you know, for the people in the accident, and then it was just a mess for everyone to get there. And the whole time I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, I can't just do the stuff out of the manual. You know, usually at the cemetery, it's, you know, in and out, and away you go. I'm like, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. What am I supposed to say to these folks? So this is what I said. When we finally all got together, mom and dad laying right there at the foot of that little casket or the little hole in the ground all bikers all around me said you know what this is what I've learned about bikers today you are loyal you're there for one another you got each other's back they're your, you're, you're there for your friends then I said this, you're Jesus' kind of people because he's loyal and he's got your back and he will never leave you. And I said, and you know, I'm here to remind you that you need Jesus in your life. That's the whole reason I'm here. You can't get through this without Jesus. 
and I would preach that message a thousand times to the group like that over and over again. Why? They need to know what you and I know. That Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord, that all we have to do is call on Him and we will be saved. Listen, your friends need to know. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced that. Today could be your day. Today could be your day. Call on the name of the Lord. Believe it in your heart, deep in your bones, and Jesus will rescue you and redeem you. Or maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I'm done playing games. I'm going to be sold out to Jesus. If he says Kiev, I say, I'm in. If he says my neighbor across the street, I'm saying, I'm in. Whatever you want, Jesus, that's me.